He was more than a preacher. Charles Spurgeon was a fighter. He boldly preached the truth as he saw it in the Bible. And he told his students, we have a fixed faith to preach. We're sent forth with a definite message from God. Spurgeon spent a lifetime practicing what he preached, and what he preached was no deluded gospel. When he heard others devaluing the Bible and the atonement of Christ and justification by faith, he challenged them publicly to turn back to God's Word. Many attacked his stance in the late 19th century, but he kept the faith. No wonder we often quoted 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Welcome to Haven Today, and Happy New Year. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're beginning a new series this week in a new year called A New Year with Charles Spurgeon. In the next few minutes... We're going to look at the life of Spurgeon. The lives of millions of Christians around the world were changed through the ministry of this man. But how much do we really know about him? What were the events that shaped his life? His life preaches as loud as his sermons. And we're going to take some time in these minutes together to learn more about who he was and what made him tick. And then after the program... I want to send you Spurgeon's daily devotional called Morning and Evening. It's still the number one selling devotional book out there today because of its ease to use and understand. One page for the morning, another page for the evening, and every short devotional is based on God's Word, which will help you know it better through this year. And we have it for you in a special edition with stamped gold binding and easy-to-read typesetting. Plus, I really like how they have gently adapted Spurgeon's language for those of us reading today. I'd like to share this with you after the program when you make a first-of-the-year gift to Haven Today. You just need to call us at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or after the program, visit our website, and make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And now, let's open with Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. What gift of grace is Jesus my
Charles Haddon Spurgeon was more than a preacher. He was a fighter. He boldly preached the truth as he saw it in the Bible. Some things are true and some things are false, he said, but there are many persons who evidently do not believe it. He told his students, we have a fixed faith to preach, and we are sent forth with a definite message from God. However, he warned his students, don't go about the world with your fists doubled up for fighting, carrying a theological revolver in the leg of your trousers. He spent a lifetime practicing what he preached, but when his preaching did lead to controversy, he was not one to retreat. Charles Spurgeon preached no deluded gospel, and when he heard others preach that way, it was a call to arms for him. Spurgeon was a wonder in his own day, and he's still a wonder today. When the sermons of others are covered with dust, Spurgeon's will still be read and preached, But Spurgeon, the man, also needs to be discovered by each new generation, and perhaps rediscovered by some of us who first met him years ago. Charles Spurgeon was a many-sided individual. You find his name appearing in almost every book that touches on the religious scene in Victoria, England. Just think of the years spanning his ministry. In the year he was called to New Park Street Chapel, the Crimean War began. The year he opened the great Metropolitan Tabernacle, the United States Civil War began. While he was ministering, Karl Marx wrote his Communist Manifesto, and Charles Darwin, his Origin of Species. To get acquainted with Spurgeon is to become familiar with one of the greatest eras of preaching in the history of the Church. He always had this great desire for others to know Jesus Christ as Lord and King of their lives. I'll never forget one time being shown around the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. A member of the church showed me the great pulpit where Spurgeon preached, but then told me what Spurgeon considered to be the power under the pulpit. That was every time he preached. There were scores of prayer warriors praying in the basement below the pulpit, pleading with God's Spirit to be moving in the hearts of those listening upstairs. And God did move. Spurgeon was also known for his sense of humor and he took his Christian liberty seriously. It is well known that Spurgeon was a smoker. He liked his cigars. I should also mention that many famous British preachers of his day also smoked. Once, Spurgeon was gently reminded for his smoking by a Methodist preacher, and he said, If I ever find myself smoking to excess, I promise I shall quit entirely. So the Methodist preacher asked, What would you call smoking to excess? And Spurgeon replied with his sense of humor, why, smoking two cigars at the same time. But I should add one more footnote to the smoking story. One day he was walking outdoors in London and noticed a billboard with himself smoking a cigar. It was placed there by the cigar company whose product he smoked. And that did it for him. He told them to cease and desist, don't use him without his permission, and I'm told by friends in England that he never smoked again. Well, that's a bit of a humorous side. But there's another side of Spurgeon that should be mentioned in this Christian you should know. 
When he was 22, an event happened that brought on a severe depression that he nearly didn't recover from. Spurgeon's congregation had grown so large that they had to rent the music hall in Surrey Gardens. On June 7, 1891, an overflow crowd filled this huge building. As he prayed aloud, someone, and there's a debate about whether it was a prankster, an enemy of Spurgeon, or a mentally deranged man, yelled, Fire! Someone shouted that the balcony was about to collapse. Panicking people surged toward the exits. Seven people were trampled to death, dozens more taken to the hospital, badly injured. Spurgeon collapsed, inconsolable. He had to be carried from the pulpit and fell into such a deep depression that he later said he doubted anyone had ever passed as close to madness as he had and yet escaped with sanity. Some say Spurgeon never got over the horror of that event. Spurgeon was no stranger to depression, and therefore his words have all the more credibility. And as Spurgeon was a great champion of God's sovereignty in all things, he serves as a reminder that people of great faith and trust in God can nonetheless be brought low in depression. While that thought may be depressing to those who haven't known much depression, it's still liberating to those of us who have. Spurgeon was not just a theologian, he had a practical side. And he said this about exercise, a day's breathing of fresh air upon the hills or a few hours ramble in the beech woods will sweep the cobwebs out of the brain of scores of our toiling ministers who are now but half alive. He says this about the need to to take a rest and to take a vacation. The bow cannot be always bent without fear of breaking. Repose is as needed to the mind as sleep to the body. Our days of worship, which were the Old Testament Sabbaths, are our days of toil, and if we do not rest upon some other day, we shall break down. Even the earth must lie fallow and have her Sabbaths, and so must we. He warns potential pastors about the ministry by saying, Let no man who looks for ease of mind and seeks the quietude of life enter the ministry. If he does so, he will flee from it in disgust. Just as Paul spoke of the weight upon him of his concern for the churches in 2 Corinthians 11, Spurgeon spoke of the heavy weight of a pastor's concern for his people. He said, how often on Lord's Day evenings do we feel as if life were completely washed out of us? After pouring out our souls over our congregations, we feel like empty earthen pitchers which a child might break. Probably, If we were more like Paul and watched for souls at a nobler rate, we should know more of what it is to be eaten up by the zeal of the Lord's house. It is our duty and our privilege to exhaust our lives for Jesus. We are not to be living specimens of men in fine preservation, but living sacrifices whose lot is to be consumed. We are to spend and to be spent, not to lay ourselves up in lavender and nurse our flesh. Well, those are words of Spurgeon. To his students. I've sometimes met carefree Christians, haven't you, whose happiness seems to thrive on their choice to protect themselves from the world's sufferings, to turn away from the realities of the poor and the diseased and the disabled, of hungry children and aborted babies, and to plug their ears to the cry of, of those who are entering eternity without Christ and without hope. Well, in contrast, the heart of Charles Haddon Spurgeon was heavied by the plight of orphans and widows in London, and his church did much to relieve their suffering. Here is Spurgeon in the music hall, where seven people died on that Sunday morning, breaking his heart and shattering his nerves. 
Spurgeon offers special warning to ministers who have gained success and notoriety that he knew what he was talking about is evidenced by his extreme popularity. You see, in a day without microphones, thousands of people, often at least five or six thousand, came to hear his commanding voice wherever he went, wherever he preached. Spurgeon himself said, My witness is that those who are honored by their Lord in public have usually to endure a secret chastening or to carry a peculiar cross, lest by any means they exalt themselves and fall into the snare of the devil. This depression comes over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger blessing for my ministry. The cloud is black before it breaks and overshadows before it yields its deluge of mercy. Depression has now become to me as a prophet in rough clothing, a John the Baptist heralding the nearer coming of my Lord's richer blessing. So have far better men found it. The scouring of the vessel has fitted it for the Master's use. Immersion and suffering has preceded the filling of the Holy Spirit. Fasting gives an appetite for the banquet. The Lord is revealed in the backside of the desert, while his servant keeps the sheep and waits in solitary awe. The wilderness is the way to Canaan. The low valley leads to the towering mountain. Defeat prepares for victory. The raven is sent forth before the dove. The darkest hour of the night precedes the day dawn. And nearing the end of his lecture to his young students that I'm quoting Spurgeon from, he says, Glory be to God for the furnace, the hammer and the file. Heaven shall be all the fuller of bliss because we have been filled with anguish here below, and earth shall be better tilled because of our training in the school of adversity. He finished his lecture to his students at the pastor's college that he founded by saying, Serve God with all your might while the candle is burning. Then, when it goes out for a season, you will have the less to regret. Be content to be nothing, for that is what you are. When your own emptiness is painfully forced upon your consciousness, chide yourself that you ever dreamed of being full except in the Lord. Set small store by present rewards. Be grateful for earnests, by the way, but look for the recompensing joy hereafter. Continue with double earnestness to serve your Lord when no visible result is before you. Any simpleton can follow the narrow path in the light. Faith's rare wisdom enables us to march on in the dark with infallible accuracy since she places her hand in that of her great guide. Between this and heaven there may be rougher weather yet, but it is all provided for by our covenant head. In nothing let us be turned aside from the path which the divine call has urged us to pursue. Thank you for those words, Charles Spurgeon. I needed to hear those today. I believe you did as well. Thank you for your honest thoughts and your passion for God in far darker times than I've ever known. Thank you, Lord for encouraging us through your servant. Well, I first read this lecture to his students when the American writer Randy Alcorn was going through a period of depression himself a couple of years ago and quoted that in his blog. Perhaps you would like to read all of Spurgeon's message on depression to his students. We've put it up on our website at haventoday.org. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 was quoted often by the preacher Spurgeon. Let me quote it to you today. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble 
with the comfort we ourselves have received from God.
What a hymn, Be Thou My Vision, for him, you're in a haven today. I'm Charles Morris. Morning and Evening by Charles Spurgeon was written more than a hundred years ago by the Prince of Preachers. It is, as I've said already, the most popular daily devotional still in print today in a single volume. And all these years later, these devotions by Spurgeon continue to encourage Christians with a message of God's grace and God's love. He wrote every meditation on a single verse of Scripture, one for the morning, one for the evening, each one to inspire and encourage you to rely on God every day in this new year. And one other thing, the volume we have for you has a gold-stamped binding with easy-to-read typesetting, and the language has been gently adapted using Spurgeon's words for readers in the 21st century. And here at the beginning of 2023, this is the perfect time to take up the challenge to focus your life more on God's Word. So why don't you call us right now? And for your gift of any amount, we'll send you a copy of Morning and Evening. The number you can call is 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website. You can make your gift there and request Morning and Evening at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll be sharing the great story together. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. What's your love language? Touch, gifts, time, words, or service? Ways each of us feels uniquely loved and ways each of us can uniquely love others. If I had to choose, the Lord's love language is sacrifice. The most famous verse, John 3.16, says it like no one can or will again. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Sacrifice is how the Lord shows he loves us. And in return, we show our love through self-sacrificial faith. We love, First John says, because he first loved us. It's the language of the cross that every Christian must become fluent in because it's the only language the Lord speaks over us in love. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.